This is AgriPulse Drive Time brought to you by the Association of Equipment Manufacturers and its national grassroots campaign, I Make America. Good Thursday afternoon. I'm Spencer Chase. House and Senate leaders are taking a special interest in the Farm Bill this time around. That might have something to do with the bill containing key provisions of interest to both House Speaker Paul Ryan and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. For Ryan, the House bill's welfare reform efforts have his attention. At a press conference with Capitol Hill reporters on Thursday, Ryan touted a set of economic statistics and said the House Farm Bill's job training and work requirement language fit in with his economic agenda. We still have millions of jobs that are unfilled. That story is playing out across the country where businesses are trying to find workers with the right skills. And with the Farm Bill, we want to get more people from welfare to work so that they too can get on their path of life. But the House work requirements have proven controversial. House Ag Committee Chair Mike Conaway offered a compromise on the subject last week. Speaking to reporters after the conference committee meeting yesterday, Conaway declines to offer details about the compromise, but said Ryan is aware of it. The great thing about Paul is that he's deeply immersed in the policy and, and of, uh, of the, the welfare programs. And so he knows exactly what I've asked, what I've done. For McConnell, the Senate bill's industrial hemp language is a driving force behind his involvement in the bill. Kentucky Congressman James Comer tried to add similar language in the House. McConnell praised Comer's work during the conference committee meeting and said it's time to expand U.S. efforts on industrial hemp. Consumers, as we all know, have been consuming hemp products for decades. It's everywhere. It's just coming from some other country. It's past time that we build on the work we began with the pilot program in the 2014 Farm Bill and unleash farmers in Kentucky and any other state you represent that wants to take a shot at it. With proper oversight, they can capitalize on this multi-billion dollar market. McConnell told his fellow conferees that they need to navigate a busy month to finalize a Farm Bill quickly. We all know how challenging September can sometimes be. Uh, we're working hard to finish nine of the 12 appropriation bills and put them on the president's desk. Uh, that hadn't happened, I believe, before the end of September since 1997. We've had good bipartisan cooperation on that project uh, here in the Senate, uh, but none of that will alone be enough. We need to produce this bill, work out our differences, reach a consensus pass it and get it on the president's desk. On the other side of the world, a group of U.S. stakeholders are in Japan this week with the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Their group is taking a look at the Japanese market to assess growth potential there. Kevin Ross is an Iowa corn and cattle farmer who serves on the board of the National Corn Growers Association. He says there's room in the diet for more U.S. beef. But we're also here, you know, as you heard, promoting more American style of eating and grilling because we think that'll uh, move more meat in the marketplace at a, at a higher level because we eat larger cuts than, than they traditionally do here. So another piece of that is the Japanese, you know, are eating about five pounds of red meat per year on average, whereas we in the U.S. are eating about 10 times that. And that's a pretty amazing statistic in, in itself and should, should say a lot about the potential growth for this market. The protein sector was excited by the potential of the Trans-Pacific Partnership to open the Japanese market to more U.S. exports. That potential was squashed when President Donald Trump pulled the U.S. from the deal. Now, U.S. agriculture is pushing for a trade harmonization with Japan, either through rejoining the TPP or a bilateral agreement. USMEF President and CEO Dan Halstrom says either would do just fine. From our perspective, whether it's a bilateral or a re-emergence of TPP, um, our opinion would be either way is fine uh, as long as we get the issue addressed. The group will hear more on the trade situation tomorrow from USDA and USTR officials. Members of the House Agriculture Appropriations Subcommittee want to hear from USDA about some proposed relocations. 
In a recent letter, all four subcommittee Democrats ask Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue for data and analysis to justify the decision to relocate USDA's Economic Research Service and the National Institute of Food and Agriculture outside of Washington. Specifically, the letter requests information on hiring issues, anticipated staff loss, anticipated cost savings, and a detailed timeline. The lawmakers also ask why ERS and NEFA in particular were chosen to be moved closer to USDA stakeholders. Last month, Purdue announced a plan to move ERS and NEFA employees to a new location, saying it would help USDA retain and attract qualified staff. Today's AgriPulse Drive Time is brought to you by the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. Here's more from Leif Magnuson with Kloss. Obviously, a lot of people very interested in uh, farm bill deliberations in the House and Senate. I'm wondering, what are equipment manufacturers watching for in the upcoming farm bill? We want to try and keep the farm bill as it was. There was a good farm bill that we've had. And, uh, you know, especially I'm looking uh, at the crop insurance that needs to stay in the bill. That's a very, very important safety net for our customers. You know, as you know, Spencer, if our customers has the security in the long term, like they can get in the farm bill, that's good for us as a manufacturer of agricultural equipment as well. That's all for today's AgriPulse Drive Time. Reporting in Washington, I'm Spencer Chase.